Would you stand with me and turn in your Bibles this morning to Luke chapter 7? I want to tell you uh, real quickly what a joy it was for me to celebrate last week with you the faithfulness of our Lord. Um, I trust you understood our motive and our method last week. We were not celebrating the uh, works or faithfulness of a man, but we were celebrating the faithfulness of God. This is the last thing I want to say, and then we're turning the chapter on the 25 behind us. We're going to forget the things that are behind us. Think of a man and a little boy in the country, and now that I live in the country, all my stories are country stories. Uh, they're going to build a barn together. Jason's built a shed the size of a barn. He's, he's going to build a barn. He's got a four-year-old boy that's going to help him. And it takes a year and a half for this man by himself and the four-year-old boy. He's got the plastic tool belt, plastic Phillips head, you know, wrench that doesn't adjust. And for 18 months, he and his daddy build the barn. Well, anyone that's competent understands that the boy was allowed, not the cause, of the barn being built. He was allowed to be a part. And your pastor's nothing more than the little boy with the plastic tool belt, but it sure was a wonderful 25 years of being with him. But forgetting those things that are behind and pressing on toward the mark of the prize of the high call of God in Christ Jesus. Luke chapter 7, verse 36. If you don't have your Bible, y'all go ahead and put the camera on them. You know, <laughs> Put them online. Somebody pulled their phone out just then. Don't even have the Bible the app. Just... Before I read this text, those that are part of this church, you know I don't do this often, if ever. This message has the opportunity to turn your Christian life upside down. To scrap it and start over. Not scrap the foundations. But some of us are... Our spiritual house is filled with shag carpet and brass fixtures. And, and we, need, we need to renew and reconnect and re-express. And I trust that this word brought forth today um, will do this. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him. So Jesus went to his home and sat down to eat. When a certain immoral woman from that city heard he was eating there, she brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. Then she knelt behind him at his feet, weeping. Her tears fell on his feet, and she wiped them off with her hair. And she was kissing and kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. When the Pharisees who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man, Jesus, were a prophet, he'd know what kind of woman is touching him. She's a sinner. Then Jesus answered his thoughts. That right there, I could fold my Bible up and walk out. I preached. He said, I didn't say anything. Jesus said, I didn't say you said it. You thought it. Jesus answered his thoughts. Simon, he said. Now, this was not Simon Peter. This was the Pharisee, Simon. I've got something to say to you. Go ahead, teacher, Simon replied. The King James says, say on. Then Jesus told him this story. A man loaned money to two people, 500 pieces of silver to one and 50 pieces to the other. 
But neither of them could repay him, so he kindly forgave them both, canceling their debts. Who do you suppose loved him more after that? Simon answered, I suppose the one for whom he canceled the larger debt. That's right, Jesus said. Then he turned to the woman. This is pivotal. He turned to the woman and said to Simon. He's turned to the woman, looking at her, talking to Simon. Look at this woman kneeling here. So he's eye-to-eye contact with her, saying this. When I entered you home, you didn't offer me water to wash the dust from my feet. But she has washed them with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't greet me with a kiss, but from the time I first came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head, but she has anointed my feet with rare perfume. I tell you her sins, and they are many, have been forgiven. So she has shown shown me much love. Now let me pause there. It won't take me just a second. She was not forgiven in this moment. She came with faith in her heart already. This was an expression, an outward expression of an inward reality. She is not forgiven because she worshipped. She worshipped because she was forgiven. But a person who is forgiven little shows only little love. Or a person who is not aware of how much they've been forgiven shows a little love. Then Jesus said to the woman, your sins are forgiven. Just he, She got to hear it. The men at the table said amongst themselves, who is this man that he goes around forgiving sins? And Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Now, would you pray for me as I pray for myself this morning? Father, I present myself before you today again, uh, just available to you. I understand that in my own strength and capacity, I have no ability to help anyone I can only share a letter that kills. But if you quicken me by your spirit, it will bring life and light. God, we need a revival in our heart. We need a renewal. We need to plow up the hardness of our heart that uh, living so close to Sodom has produced. And that we might pour forth freely, authentically, love for you privately and publicly. That it would be the normal expression, not the exception. Allow us, O Lord, today to live inside out, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. The next few opportunities that I have to preach to you, if the Lord allows, I'm going to be following a a theme, spiritual worship. And I want to give just a quick introduction this morning of the series, and then I want to talk about the most obvious, which is outward expression. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. It must have a proper origin. It must be birthed by the spirit of God, not the spirit of man. It's the spirit of God that recreates us, and as we have revelation of who God is, we worship him. We understand his worth, his value. Everything that has breath can praise the Lord, but not everything that breathes can worship the Lord. Only those that know him. Trees can clap their hands, but they don't know him fully. They cannot be adopted into the family. Revelation births worth-ship. See that in your mind, not just worship, worth-ship, which means that which I offer, that which I give, that which I 
express that which I sacrifice has been, I've come to the decision to offer that based on your value to me. Why does a family pick up and go overseas? Because of his value. Why would we open our home and, and, and spend, you know, the couple is retired and then they take on children later on in their 60s and they were ready to retire because of Jesus' worth to them. Why do we serve, give, do? Worship is not just the songs we sing. It is the title given to everything we offer God based on our revelation of him. And Abraham went to offer his son Isaac and was going to sacrifice him alive. All the papas in the room. I can't imagine. I can't imagine that. And he said to his, his, his uh, servants, he said, the boy and I go yonder to worship. He wasn't going to sing a song, play a CD track, nothing like that. He said, I'm going to kill my son and offer him to the Lord. Because he's worth more to me than life itself. The reason that we're, one of the problems with corporate gatherings is we're trying to pull out of people stuff that's not there. We're trying to get them to offer something that's not there. In any given service, you'll see somebody standing cold-hearted offering, and I'm talking about just on a Sunday, no expression, no song, and somebody that can hardly stand uh, their own medicines that would, you know, knock a horse out. I mean, just strong medicines. And they standing on one leg and clapping and trying to move their body to express. And it causes them great pain. And I'm not bringing glory to them. I'm letting you see that he is worth that effort to them. Heaven's going to test them. And in every Sunday morning that people come to church and stand like a statue, someone else is testifying to their lack of revelation and their lack of gratitude. Oh, it's going to get tough in here. Strap in turbulent weather just ahead. Number one. There's only two points this morning. It doesn't have to be eternal to be eternal. So, you ready? Number one. There are many places where Jesus is welcome, but not worshipped. And there's a world of difference between the two. A lot of people like to name his name. To say his name. To go to his house. To invite him to their house. They'll even sing along with somebody that's worshipping and never worship themselves. Simon says, hey, why don't you come to my house to eat? That sounded hospitable. It sounded courteous. It sounded kind. It sounded generous. But none of those things are worship. See, all of that does not equal worship. But worship does all of that. Worship flows from revelation of seeing him and his value. And we're going to contrast Simon with Really modern day professing believers. You know a lot of people profess to know Jesus that aren't saved. You do know that. The Bible says that many believed on Jesus when they saw the works that he did. But he did not commit himself to them because he knew them. The difference between professing believers and possessing believers. Those that possess the Christ and he possesses them. Is their life is one continuous expression of the reality of God to them. 
We worship because of Him. We serve because of Him. We give because of Him. We love because of Him. We pour our life out because of Him. And it's our reasonable service. Said in verse 36 that one of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him. So Jesus went to his home and sat down to eat. I want you to, and I don't build a doctrine out of this, but I just want you to see something very much on the service, on the surface here. Jesus participated in everything that was offered him. You'll come to my house to eat? Is that it? Yeah. Okay. And others said, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I'll be made whole. And Jesus said, okay. Son of David, have mercy on me. What would you want me to do for you? Open my eyes that I might see. Okay. Jesus, my daughter is grievously sick at home. Would you come home and heal her? Yes. And word got to the master that she had died. No use in troubling Jesus anymore because she died. And Jesus looked at him and said, don't worry, just believe. Did I not tell you we were going to heal your daughter? And got home and found it. See, we have satisfied ourselves with interaction with Jesus. Brushing up against Jesus. Having moments where we sensed him in church. Worlds apart. There are many who are partaken of the heavenly gift. They've tasted of the kingdom to come and don't know him. How do you know? First of all, your spirit bears witness with God's spirit that you are children of God. And naturally as children, you long to honor him. And if there's not a longing to honor him, you're not of him. Well, that's very judgmental to say. No, it's, it's truth. See, a person comes to know the Lord. Uh, just In one sentence, let me just, one paraphrase. You are a spirit. You have a soul. You live in a body. You are a spirit, you have a soul, you live in a body. Your spirit is dead in trespasses and sin. That's what communicates with God. Your soul communicates with other people. That's why you like some people at work and don't like some people at work. You connect with them. You, that, we interact with one another. My body connects with this world. That's hard. This is soft. Some days it's cold in here. Some days it's hot. So you understand. So the preaching of the word of God tells your soul that your spirit is dead. And you see that there's no true union with you and God. No life giving. There's no goodness in me. I, I, I continue to the things that I don't want to do, I do. And the things that uh, I want to do, I don't do. And I find a law working in my members that sin, the law of sin and death. Who will deliver me from this body of death? And our soul cries out to God for forgiveness of our sins. And he raises our spirit from the dead. That's being born again. So you can't save yourself, but the saved person always, it's reflexive. You know, you go to the doctor and you cross your legs and he's got the little rubber mallet. Your leg goes up. Supposed to go up. If not, you need to go back and schedule another visit. Uh, He said, what if he keeps hitting? He goes, stop moving your leg. He said, well, stop hitting my knee. That's That's a reflex. Christians can't help but react to people in need, react to songs that talk about how faithful he is. It's a reflex that happens. But Pharisees are satisfied with moments. That's why we'll drive 
six hours to a coliseum to hear our celebrity preacher or singer because we want a moment. Is there anything wrong with that? Not at all. But the moment you tell me that's more precious than me shutting my bedroom door and turning on my lamp and sitting before my Lord with the Bible, that's when I know you've lost it. Nothing wrong with traveling, but Jesus abides. He abides. I'm doing the hymns today. He abides in me. He abides. I care. He walks with me and talks with me and tells me that I'm his own. Pharisees always want moments. And then Jesus has to leave. Will you come to my house? Not to move in, but to eat. There's a woman in the Old Testament who built Elijah the prophet a room attached to her house because Elijah was the voice of God. She built a room for God in her house. See, we invite him over, but we don't build a place. Look at this place, his home. Not for intimacy's sake, but for a social event. He was open to association, interaction, and maybe instruction. But we do it on his terms. Home field advantage, we like to call it. How many of y'all are hospitable? You like, but you don't like going to other people's house. We want to host, you know, because if you host it, you got home field advantage, right? Y'all don't look so sanctimonious. That's, I like it at my house, you know. Home field advantage. His house. He chose the menu. He chose when to serve it and how to serve it. Compare this to those who went out to open fields to hear Jesus preach who went all day without food and drink. Now, it's not that you can't do both, but this seems to be a structured event. And some people treat Sunday mornings like that. I'm going to go meet with Jesus, have a sandwich, as long as we get out on time, and go and have the more important things. They decide if they're going to meet with Jesus the morning of worship, depending on how they feel. Look at his posture. He met Jesus at the door. Rabbi, Pharisees are more comfortable standing than they are kneeling. She met, he met Jesus at the door. The woman met him at the floor. I wonder... Are you able to do both? That doesn't mean that I always walk into church and I fall on my face. But that means I ought to be comfortable on my face in front of him. And when you sense his nearness, proud people stand. When's the last time in a worship service or the middle of preaching or at home? And how often do you just fall at his feet? I don't do that. Well, you should. You should beg him for a revelation of his glory. And don't fall for this fake, and yes, I said it, fake, learned behavior of some man waving at something at you and you falling. No, no. When people saw Jesus, they didn't fall backward. They fell forward. They fell before him like a dead man, and they prostrated themselves before him. And they humbled themselves and worshiped before him. Look at his pride. He was interested in Jesus, but not in awe of him. Teacher. All through the New Testament, they're calling out his name. Son of David, Master, Adonai, Lord, Elohim. He said, teacher. When you're comfortable with him, and I don't mean in the sense of sonship, but just like somebody you work with. Yeah, I'm a Christian. I can tell how they treat his name. 
I can, I can tell more about you than you ever wrote. Hi, teacher, come on in. And others spoke his name with such an unction that you knew they knew what they were talking about. Healer. Lord. You could sense his pride in how he saw others more clearly than he saw himself. This is, this is, all of these are keys. This is, this is just good. Uh, the woman came in and made her way to Jesus. And we'll get to her in just a moment. But uh, you can hear him. What's her kind doing in here? She's a sinner. And Jesus never said she wasn't. What's her kind doing in here? Excuse me, sir. There is no other kind. There's nothing but us sinners. But some have been saved by grace. And we're aware that the life we now live, we live by the faith of the Son of God who gave himself for us and died for us. I'm glad to be of that kind. I was of that kind. And that old me has passed away. And he's made a new heart. I'm still flawed, but I'm not the same. I'm not bound. No, he didn't set me free from the pull of sin, but he set me free from the power of sin. And I'm free today. Free. You could see his pride and how he saw Jesus as someone that he could accept instead of by grace that Jesus might accept him. I accepted the Lord. You did. Wonderful. I know it's semantics, and I know that everyone that says that doesn't mean it that way, but most of the people that say it that way mean it that way. Won't you love, won't you let Jesus love you? No, it's time for you to wake up and love him. And be accepted by him. It wasn't me allowing him to come into my heart. Oh, the glory that the God of the universe, the Holy Lord, would decide to make his abode in me. I didn't accept him. I unworthily just stood in awe as he entered my heart by grace through faith and changed me and rearranged my heart to be a habitation of his spirit. You could hear his pride in his words. Teacher. And he said, Simon, I have something to say to you. Say on. If you knew it was the Lord. And the Lord said, John Wood, I have something to say to you. Let me sit down, Lord. Am I carrying it too far? But if it's the Lord. I'll go one further. I'll just make everybody mad today. That's good. Take all this clerical religion, Catholicism, Anglican, all of what... I'm I'm not the judge of men's heart. I'm just presenting to you the idea of posture. Can you imagine if the Lord manifested himself? He's never shown his full glory. We'll only have part of it in the millennium. But it'll be so bright that there'll be no need of the sun because the lamb will be the light thereof. Ain't no sunshine. Okay. So here's, I got my robe and my fish hat and my scepter and my ring and my chalice and my beads and my jewelry and my boys behind me swinging incense. And the Lord appears. 
Mm-hmm. Let me take this off real quick. Slip out this coat. Right? Throw that scepter aside. Because when you see him in his glory, when you see him for who he is, you don't talk to him like, say on, like we're peers. I give you permission to speak. You should hear something like when he says, Simon, I have something to say to you. Who am I, Lord, that you would ever talk to me? What's missing in our heart is we have heard the grace message and the hyper-grace message so long and so often that it has become a doctrine that God himself did not teach. I am saved by grace through faith. But any teaching that minimizes or replaces the reverence of God is a false doctrine. He's the Lord. He's not Daddy God. Well, he's Abba Father. Yeah, but that's not... It's, it's, it's a type. It's not... Your daddy whose lap you jump in is flawed. This one's not. There should be the tenderness, but there's a reverence reserved for him that our earthly father does not deserve. Do you see? Is this okay? You could identify his pride with his refusal to repent after seeing the truth about himself. When he saw this woman worship, he was not convicted. It doesn't mean that everybody has to use the same volume. It doesn't mean that everyone has to use the same expression. But everyone in this room has had this happen. They've seen someone, met someone, or been around someone that loved Jesus more than them. And it gripped their heart. It doesn't mean we want what they have. It just means we should want more of him. No conviction, no repentance. You could feel his pride as he and others at the table did not have the capacity to rejoice in the fact that God's grace had been given to other people. She's a sinner. If you see other people more clearly than you see yourself, and if you can't be happy for someone that's found new life or is expressing their gratitude to God. Well, Brother John, we just don't want no wildfire. Wildfire ain't our problem. It's no fire that's our problem. (laughs) It's a lot easier to bridle a living horse than resuscitate a dead one. Jesus said it this way in Mark 7. These people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. That means there are people that sing it and don't mean it. They teach it and don't mean it. They preach it and they don't mean it. They lift their hands and don't mean it. And others never act at all like they mean it. I don't want to be in those people. These people, I don't, do you understand that if he comes today and some of us make it that we are going to be in culture shock? If by some grace, I don't want to have to adjust to heaven's atmosphere. I want to be ready. I I want to see my uncle and my grandma. You know, I've got a dad I haven't seen in almost 50 years, but I want to see him. I want to see him. Him, I want to see my Lord. That ought to be the motivation for us. 
But this, this guy, it's like if you would have just kept the TV camera on him throughout this whole story, you just wonder, what's wrong with him? How sad. And someone will come run and fall at an altar and praise the Lord. And people will sit back there with their arms folded and judge them as if you had one thing to do with their salvation. One thing to do with where they've come from. You don't know that God just rescued her daughter. You don't know anything about her story. Keep your mouth off of those people that are worshiping. Well, I know I'm right. Well, you can be so right, you're dead right. Just a thought. (laughs) They're the people whose opinion about others' worship is clearer to them than God's opinion of theirs. They're more clear about someone else's worship than they are about God's opinion of theirs. Do you realize how far off we have to be when we talk about the worship service in terms of we liked it? Just, Just think about it. We've all done it. That's an oxymoron. <laughs> that, that, that we talk about something offered to God and we use the phrase, I liked it or didn't like it. It wasn't for you. It wasn't for me. The problem is we've lived in this delusion of coming and standing and sitting and singing and sitting and said that's worship and it's not. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name and done many mighty wonderful works? And he said, I never knew you. Did you ever use those names to him, Lord, Lord, when you were lost? I didn't. Not Lord. I want to make sure that when God's looking for worshipers, he would identify you. And say, that one moves when they sense me. That one, when they think they'll be at work and say, I gotta take my break and go in the restroom and lift their hands and say, I love you today. And the Lord just touched them about the grace that He's given them. Standing there this morning and in my office before, twice, the Lord just moved on my heart and I just wept before Him. And that doesn't make me noble, it makes me alive. That's all it means is I got a pulse. Doesn't make you special. And I said, Look at me, Lord. 57 years. Been worshiping you as a as a man since twenty four, and how faithful you've been, and got my wife who loves you, and my babies, and God, just so good. And it's just there's, the, and the knee comes up. You can't help it. The world thinks it's enough to open the door, when God is waiting on us to open our heart. Don't be satisfied with Pharisaical worship. And you can tell if you're one of them by how you speak to him and about him. Say on, teacher. Or you could say, I know what God's word says, but he's Lord, King, Savior, ruler of my heart, forgiver of my past and president of my tomorrow. He speaks, and there's no debate, and we follow. All right, very quickly to this woman. Oh, man, this woman. Why is it that women seem to be more free in worship than men? Not all are. 
I've made it a mission of mine. You know, I'm not as limber as I used to be. But I, I want, you know, every now and then, I, I don't do it often, but I'll go back and watch the archive sermon or I'll watch something and it'll pan the crowd and you'll just see. And I'm just being honest. There's so many people just, it doesn't mean they're not worshiping or communing in their heart. I don't know their heart, but man, there ought to be something if you hit somebody's knee. There, there ought to be something. And I'll see my big ball spot on the front row and I'll see my hands going. And I wonder when they roll back the movie in heaven, what is your worship going to look like in this house and at home? In your car and at work? The reason he's going to wipe the tears from our eyes is not because we'll be in pain physically. It'll be regret and remorse. Because if he doesn't, we live in regret and remorse all through eternity. But the beauty of this is you can be this woman by simply choosing to do what she does. All right, let's look. Her worship was birthed in the revelation ongoing of who Jesus is. Her worship was made possible by proximity. Now notice the pattern here. And compare it to our spiritual reality. She got near him and said, I've got to do something. He lives with us. And it's only when you're unaware of his proximity that your voice is silent and your body is not expressive. Those that live near Jesus act like he's there. That's a good thing to write down. So what does that look like, John? Good morning, Lord. Why would you say that? Well, same reason I say good morning to Olivia or Isabel at the breakfast table because they're there. Good morning, Lord. And I know this may sound silly to you, but it's worship to me. Small, these are small things. Y'all may think this is really silly. Every time I fill up my car with gas, I thank the Lord for my truck and for the capacity to put gas. Thank you, Lord. Anybody else used to drive junk? We might, I, I, drove, I drove a hoopty for years. Anybody else ever laid hands on a car beside me? Okay. <laughs> And now I just go, Lord, you didn't have to, but this one cranks. And I thank you. <laughs> I'm just grateful. Listen, her worship was not hindered or enhanced by environment. This is where our concerts got it wrong. This is where our Christian television just got it wrong. And it's flooding us. And now we think that you, you usher, you hear him say, you usher his presence in. You got to dim the lights, fog machine. Which, by the way, we borrowed from the clubs. Just thought I'd throw that in there, too. How can you say that? Because I used to be a club rat. And say what you want. It's dim the lights and we'll get, we'll ambience and draw him in. Listen, nothing external can add to or hinder my worship. That's freeing. Now, it might be nice. Dim the lights and I ain't got to watch people talking to each other and chewing gum and, you know, it might, it, but it, it doesn't enhance because whether I'm in the prison house or the penthouse, about to be fed to lions or eat a wonderful Thanksgiving meal, my worship is not determined by anything on the outside, but everything to do on the inside. You don't usher me into his presence. He abides. He abides. 
can't wait to get to church to worship. What? Sometimes it's better in my car on the way here than it is here. You know, it's all the hindrance around me. That's the problem. All this hindrance everywhere. That was a joke. Sorry. His worship had more to do with her heart than her history. I don't know who this is for. It's not in my notes. If you have repented of your past, let it go. You are not defined by how you lived before Jesus. You are defined by how he died for you. Now, after that, we don't just keep on sinning, you know, but no, I'm, I used to be that. I love saying that. I used to be that. Some of you can't identify. I used to be that. Anybody else with a similar past to my, mine, you go to get, no one likes to get pulled over, but you know you're sober. <laughs> Anybody else beside me? I remember the first time I got pulled over, I said, let me breathe in the thing. <laughs> I did. I was like, just, oh, I want him to go. Would you step out? I'd love to. <laughs> Can you walk a straight line? Absolutely. Can I breathe in the thing? Because you just wanted to pop the test. He goes, you don't have a bit in there. I just want to, you know, anyway. I've had that thought before, so. Yeah, I used to be that way. I used to be immoral. I used to be. But my worship is not hindered by what he forgave me of. It's accelerated. Because I'm seeing it's not... Whoever lives the worst life has the best worship. No, it's whoever's more aware of the grace operative in their life. That's where worship comes from. Forgiven. Not just years ago, but Friday. And Tuesday and Thursday. Her worship was humble. She came behind him kneeling. Her worship was purposed. She brought her perfume with her. If you're honest and you don't have to answer... Um, here, um, but it's easy to get caught up in the idea that God ought to be just thankful that I came. And that is pitiful. What'd you bring? Huh? I brought meat. Mm, what'd you bring? What's in your heart? What's in your hand? What's on your countenance? Because God is watching. Brooke, if you'd come, please. God is watching. She came behind him and knelt, but she had a jar of perfume, and she had already planned her expression. How, what are you planning to bring glory to God? What is in your heart to show him his worth to you? Her worship could not be separated from deep emotions. Well, I'm just not an emotional person. I understand that, that some of us are more emotional. I, I got that. But the deeper the revelation, the freer the emotions. You can't see what you've been forgiven of and not weep tears of gratitude. You just can't. Her worship was inside out. This is the main thing I want you to see. The Pharisee didn't offer Jesus water from a well. But she offered Jesus water from inside of her. Heart water. Her worship did not come 
from the earth Jesus created, but from the woman he forgave. Do you see that? Worship that's inside out. It's not imitation. I'm grateful for the people on my row, my mama, my wife. I look over here at Samantha and grief and Christina. It ain't got nothing to do with y'all. It's about what's in here. And I brought it with me. And my soul creates the water for him. Water for his feet came from a well. Tears for his feet came from the woman. Water for his feet was the law. Tears for his feet was love. Water for his feet was a good thing. Tears for his feet was a grace thing. Water for a visitor's feet was common. Tears for his feet was captivating. Water for his feet was the social thing to do. Tears for his feet was the sober thing to do. Water for his feet was expected. Tears for his feet was exposing. Water for his feet could be done by proxy. Tears for his feet had to be done in person. Water for his feet was a sign of hospitality. Tears for his feet was a sign of wholeness. Water was a sign of, a water for his feet showed responsibility. Tears showed repentance. And water for his feet, feet spotlighted the servant. Tears for his feet spotlighted the Savior. And here's this woman. She comes in. All the Pharisees are at the table. She wasn't invited. She just heard that Jesus was there. She walked past. And they were thinking it. Some could have been saying it. There's no room for her kind. Look at this. She brought her little jar. And she knelt down at his feet. And Jesus said of her, You didn't offer me even water. Because then you had the open sandals and a, a man's feet as they sweat and walked. It would just be caked with dirt and I'm not trying I'm trying to be vivid here it could be very pungent and he said she never turned the water on to clean it and then kiss it a woman's hair is her glory and she took her glory and exchanged it for the worst that he would offer her and the tears and, she, and it, Jesus said, she has not ceased from clean, to kissing my feet. She cleaned his feet with her water and just kissed and kissed. And he, listen, he acknowledged it. He accepted it. It was the record in heaven. The aroma of her gift filled the house. And there are people in this local body of believers. You keep the aroma going here. Because there are many people that come in. Pastor John, why are you speaking so directly? Because the Lord's about to come back. And he's at the door. And we come in the door talking about who played yesterday and who's playing today and what. And there are little widows coming in with a jar and said, I can't wait for the first chord to play today. Because I got to fill the house. I got to worship him. And Jesus, speaking to, looking at her, spoke to Simon and said, look at her. And there's a record in heaven of her worship. This is what I want to ask you. If you were the Lord, what kind of worshiper would you say you were? 
I'm not preaching like this to make you feel guilty. I'm preaching like this to wake you up and say, listen, I'll finish with this. Not everyone has the same giftings. Not everyone has the same ability. Not everyone has the same intellect. Not everyone has the same opportunity. Not everyone has the same visibility. But everyone has the same opportunity to worship. You've been one that inspired me for many years. Katrina, she'll be like, I don't know what y'all are going to do, but I'll out-worship anybody in here. I, I, and it's not to, listen... I refuse to be the church where the pastor revs you up to see how revved. No, not how revved, how real. Some would kneel. Some would lay down. Some would lift their hands. Some would express. But my my purpose for today, my motive for today is that you write in your Bible or in your devotional or in your, uh, uh, what word am I looking for? Journal, thank you. You write in the journal. This ends today. I am not going to act like he's not who he is and he's not near. I'm going to acknowledge him. I'm going to be grateful and give thanks unto him. I'm going to bless his name. I'm going to bless him three times a day, David said. In the morning, at noon, and in the evening. I'm going to bless the Lord seven times a day. Three wasn't good enough. And then later you see him pin his praise. Shall continually be in my mouth. I want to be a worshiper. Because God is looking for those that worship him. In spirit, originated by the Holy Spirit, and governed by truth. Governed by truth. Two Sundays in a row, I play a song for you. There, there's certain songs in my past, long past, that were turning points for me. And this one, 20 years ago or so, something broke inside of me. And I've decided, I just did. I decided I was probably 25, 26 years old. As I don't care what any other man thinks of me. I'm going to out-worship this woman. I did. I said, I will make a fool of myself. I will wave my coat. I will lay before you. I will humble myself because I am of no reputation. I am nothing. And when I see his worth, I say, Lord, you're glorious. You're good and you're great. And this is that song for me. So would you just bow your head this morning? Anybody want to join me up here?
Praise the Lord, saints. Would you stand with us, guys? You don't have to go back to the seats. We're going to be dismissed. One of the ushers, would you tell them in children's church, we usually stop at 1130. Just three or four minutes, we'll be done. I want you to hear your pastor's heart today. I have never, and I will never, try to make our worship services pulse. Every worship pastor that's ever served with me, I said, don't you ever rev it. If you see it getting to just the music, I said, pull back, pull back. But we, it's got to be real. It's gotta, there has, every vessel ought to have some expression. 
every vessel and you're not out of order to get up in a worship service and come kneel or to, you know, we, we can tell if somebody's trying to be seen. We got ushers for that. I just, I want these to be gatherings that he enjoys. That we don't recruit people based on what we can give them. But they come because this is a house where we can give to him. Can I tell you one quick story? And then I'll let you be dismissed. Um, many of you have heard a lot of my stories uh, about my dad who's passed away. And, you know, he died when I was a little boy. You've heard stories about my mom and mom and him and the Christian heritage they gave me. And, you know, as, as he suffered those two years, he didn't pass every test. He got to be very ill physically and emotionally. and But... He literally rotted away in front of us. He went blind. Six one. He weighed ninety six pounds when he died. And I can only imagine the struggles. You know, you're a pastor and you're praying for healing and the other. But he left. He left me a memory. And I know this may sound silly to you, but you're my family. I, you're closer to me. You're the only ones I got to tell. I think oftentimes, well, my, if something happened to me, would my little girls remember me? Because they're only seven. You know. And some of my memories with him start at 9 and 10. And, but this one, I'd love for it to get to heaven and let him know that I, I saw this and I remembered it. I didn't get it then, but I got it now. He was in his little room and mama took such good care of him, hand and foot, cleaned him, fed him. She was a wonderful woman to him, wonderful wife. But you could see all his bones. He looked like a, the POW pictures you see of them outside of Auschwitz. That's what he looked like. And he was in the bed, and I was in the room, and they were doing their stuff, and I, was, I went by the door, and the nurse was asked me to step outside for something. I was right on the other side of the drape, and on her way out, she said, can I do anything else for you? He said, can you give me the little triangle, or whatever that thing's called that you pull up yourself up on? And she brought it over to him, and I'm thinking, he can't get up. This, I'm a little boy, I'm trying to process this. And he just held on to it. He said, thank you. And when she passed the drape, he hooked his arm up in it because he didn't have the strength to hold it up. And he laid in bed and he started to worship. And I saw it. I didn't get it. And now I look back and said, the little rubber thing was on his knee. He said, I've been healthy and now I'm sick. But worshipers got to do what worshipers got to do. And I want that. I want that for us. Not always that dramatic, but that consistent. We can't worship him our whole life and in the last chapter, let the fire go out. It ain't time to retire, baby. It's time to retread. Right? Pastor Wade, come and dismiss us this morning, would you? Church, aren't you glad that you have a pastor that loves you enough that he would preach the truth to you? Amen. Can't help but sit over there and think, man, I'm going to have to push through a crowd this week to get to Jesus, ain't I? <laughs> There's going to be a thousand things that are going to be in the way. 
And for some of you, it's gonna, this, your week's going to be this way. You're going to have to push things out of the way to get to Jesus. You're going to have to fight through a crowd. You're going to have to fight through life. You're going to have to fight through. So you're going to have to fight to get with Jesus. But we just got a spiritual checkup this morning. But then we got to leave here and do it, don't we? Lord, that you would instill in us the strength and the confidence to walk in this. God, that just this wouldn't be something that comes in one ear and goes out the other, God. But, oh, God, let this seed take root in our hearts, God, that we may become oaks of righteousness. God, that this would grow strong in us, that it would grow big in us, God, that it would become the tree in which we can gather shade. So, God, I pray over us just as we leave this house, God, that this word does not leave us. God, that you would wake us in the night, that you would wake us in the morning, that you would stop us in the middle of our day. God, would you bombard us this week with moments, with the checkups, with the reflex hammer? Would you do that this week in us, Lord, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, church. Uh, remember to come back tonight for our evening service. Part two tonight. Part two tonight. I don't know if you want to miss it.